0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been talking about seed time and harvest. Is that not right? Now, I know most of you are not farmers out there. Do we have any farmers out there? I see one, two. Pastor Charlie, Jeannie. Amen. But most of us, are, it's kind of foreign to us seed time and harvest. What does that mean? That means you plant a seed, then you water it, you put it in good soil, and you believe that it is going to produce a harvest. When? The next day? No. In 20 minutes? No. In due season, right? In due season, you will reap. So when you plant seed, when you pray, when you apply the the Word of God to your life, your situations, don't expect things to happen the next day. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. But we have to be patient. Is that not right? The Bible says that we will inherit the promises through faith and patience. The farmer, when he plants a seed, he doesn't go home and go like, oh, I hope that comes up. I hope I get a harvest of okra. I, I hope I get some squash. I, I, I just hope. No, he knows it's going to happen. We have to be confident to know that when we plant the Word of God in our heart, we speak it out of our mouth, it will produce results. Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> Is this not true? Now, how many of you have planted, but yet you haven't seen the harvest yet? Can I see your hands? Okay, we have a few that are still waiting for their harvest. Sometimes it's a pretty big harvest that we're waiting for. I heard this one lady, she had a list of what she was believing God for in a husband, and, and, you know, tall, dark, handsome, uh, rich, uh, kind, uh, able to listen to her, and you know, all these things, you know, 15 lists of things, and one brother said, what, those things, that, that's on back order. You, you're, you're... <laughs> those, those things may never come up, but, you know, you keep believing, sister, and, and, and sometimes the things that we're believing for, it takes a little while. My wife was believing for somebody that was tall, dark, and handsome, Yeah. Well, two out of three is not bad, okay? Dark and handsome, and tall in the spirit, so we have to make it fit, praise God. So today we're talking about how to uh, uh, allow the Lord of the harvest to bring in souls. Isn't that the most important thing that we're doing here on earth as Christians? Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous, but I came for the sinner. He was reaching out to those that didn't know God, that needed to have a change in their life, and so he saw the multitudes and said, we need to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the field. Now, there's plenty of people to harvest. Barna Research Group which has been gathering and analyzing church information since 1984, says 80% of all Americans say they're Christians. Do you believe that? I don't really believe that. 45% only said that they're born again. And how many of you know that you can't get into the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again? So they're in a you know, enchantment of thinking that they're Christian, but you're only a Christian when you accept Jesus into your heart and allow him to be a difference in your life. And you know what? The harvest is everywhere. It's plenteous, Jesus said. I was at the 99 cent store, and I was just minding my own business. And this lady was talking and talking and talking. (laughs) And I noticed she had a, 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 a wrap around her hand. And I said, what happened to your hand? She says, well, I got carpal tunnel, and we were talking a little bit, and we went outside to the parking lot. She's still talking. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And uh, so she, I said, have you accepted the Lord? She says, oh, yes, I, I love the Lord. Uh, I said, if you died today, would you go to heaven? She says, I hope so. I said, no, that, that's, not, that's not right. If you know the Lord, you know you're going to heaven. I said, let me pray with you. And I prayed for her. I prayed for her hand. And then she said, my hand feels good. Could you pray for my whole body? (laughs) She says, I got aches and pains all over the place here. I need some help. And I said, there's no problem. God is big enough and has grace enough to minister to you. Praise God. So this is the most important thing that we have to do is to minister and talk to somebody about the goodness of God. Now, if you go to a restaurant, don't you tell people how good it was? Oh, man, you tell them, you ought to go there. They got the greatest big, they got big stakes that, you know, mouth-watering, just melts in your mouth. Or if you go to a movie, you say, oh, man, that was a great movie. It made me cry. It was so wonderful. But how about the risen Savior that makes a difference in your life? Praise God. Shouldn't we tell the people about that? How he's completely changed you, give you a future, give you a hope, something to live for and a promise of life with him forever, that's good news, isn't it? That's better than winning the lotto, did you know that? Now some people say yes, and some people say, I don't know pastor, that, that's, that's a tough choice right there. <laughs> but the lotto only lasts for this life, right? But everlasting life is for forever. And how, how, how about having your sins being forgiven and washed away, never to be remembered anymore? That's good news to me. That's wonderful news. And, and, and to be in heaven, come on. Can I talk a little bit about that? Come on. To be with him in heaven, it, it, it's going to be so wonderful. I know you're going to enjoy it. I know you're going to love it, being walking on the streets of gold experiencing His presence, basking in His glory, having peace and joy forevermore, never a frown anymore. Amen? Always a smile, always a joy bubbling up in your soul. And then to to make that promise, sure, He said, I'm going to give you a down payment. I'm going to give you my precious Holy Spirit that will come upon you and be in you so that you can have a little taste of heaven while you're here on earth. Have you had a little taste of heaven before when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? And he ministers to you and you get into a different world and you go like, wow, this is wonderful. But how about that 24-7 forever? Yeah. Isn't that going to be wonderful? Yeah. Joy, unspeakable joy and full of glory. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at this Lord of the Harvest in Scripture. And uh, I, I tell people, they want to know, well, how, how, what do, you, how do you learn how to preach? I'm, I'm uh, mentoring this uh, uh, youth at Azusa Pacific University. Uh, one-on-one, and he asked me, he has to write a paper, I go, he says, how do you minister? I said, find something that you're passionate about. Find a scripture that talks about the principle, then find a story in the Bible that talks about it, and then find uh, an example in real life. This should apply in real life, shouldn't it? Amen? It's not just in a book. It's not like, oh, that's wonderful, but you should be able to apply it. So let's look at this picture here, the first slide. Then Jesus went about. I like that. He went about. He wasn't just hanging around Capernaum. He wasn't just on the couch watching TV. Come on, talk to me. He, he went about. He didn't say, I'm not, I'm not going to that town. I'm not going to that town. I'm going to stay right here. It's real familiar. He went about. And what was he doing? Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He was moving. He was doing things. He was teaching. He was preaching. And you don't really imagine Jesus preaching, do you? I, I don't imagine him preaching, but preaching is proclaiming the gospel. It's speaking out what God has said. Preaching it, baby. Preaching it. Among the people. Next Next slide. But when he saw the multitudes, he was, what, moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. We're going to talk about this in a minute. And the last uh, slide, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray, pray the Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into his harvest. So There's four principles we're gonna look at here, and they all begin with P. Tony, you like that when I do the the P's, yes, okay. Let's look at the next slide. First thing that Jesus saw was the plight of the harvest. It says that they were weary and they were scattered. What does weary mean? mean? Tired, to be faint, to lose one's strength, to be feeble, Through exhaustion, to grow weak, just be tired out. You ever been that way? Just at the end of your rope, just don't know what to do. I'm just tired. I'm weary in well-doing. Didn't know where to turn. Now, from a shepherd's point of view, shepherds looking at their sheep, they know when their sheep go on trails and journeys through the rocks, through the briars, they get scratched, they get torn. You ever been hiking and you go and you catch a a little... uh, thorn and it just puts a little mark on you, you have it for years. (laughs) They get bruised, they get cut, some of them are bleeding. And Jesus looked at these people and said, they look like sheep that have suffered from their journeys. Coming through the briars, they've been beaten by life and become weary and faint, and they're wanting just to fall over, they're tired. Life can do you like that, can't it? You get to some point, you go like, how did I get here? Man, all the pain and all the disappointments that I've had, all the disillusions of what I should have had, should have done, what should have happened, what I could have been, what I'm not. All these things weigh on you, and you become tired and weary. And Jesus saw these people, saw that they were weary, they were tired, they were fatigued, they were empty, frustrated, and just fallen in their tracks. But what did he do? He had compassion upon them. Now what is compassion anyway? There's three words that you can talk about compassion. Compassion can be pitiful, I pity you, oh I'm so sorry <laughs> that you're having that problem. It could be mercy, I, I, I have mercy towards you. But this word compassion means that he got into their inward feelings, he got into their skin and found out and felt what they were feeling. Isn't that nice about Jesus? The Bible says he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what we're going through. He knows what we're experiencing, the pain that we're suffering with. He said, I'm with you. I'm in you. I can associate with you. Praise God. He got in our skin and he said, I will help you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. What does that mean? He said, he'll bow down to you. He'll grab your hand and he'll walk you through the troubles that you're going through. Isn't that nice? Not just once in a while, every day of your life he'll walk through. He never gets tired and says, you know, I've been, I, I've been ministering to you for so long. You haven't changed. I'm, not, I'm giving up. Some people do that, don't they? Praise God. But God said, no, I'll always be with you for years and years and years. Isn't that nice? So where does compassion come from anyway? Some people got it and some people don't. Is that the way it is? It seems that way, doesn't it? We know we we, we heard about the um, the uh, Samaritan man, the good Samaritan. The Pharisees and the Sadducees walked right by this guy that was lying, bleeding, dying, but it took a Samaritan to say, "Wait a minute, let me help you out." And we see people all the time going through troubles and pains, and we don't have it compassion and see with the eyes of Jesus. I I saw something on on Facebook, and then I saw it on CNN News, I couldn't believe it. This baby was dangling off of a banister, a balcony. Did you guys, anybody see that? And and I I guess the father had him, but he couldn't grab him, him, pull him in. So this guy was traveling, and he hears all this crying and shouting, and he gets out of his car, and he sees the baby up there, four stories high, and he was like a Spider-Man. He got up there and he started climbing and went from balcony to balcony, push pulling himself up and went all the way up to the top and grabbed the baby and brought him to safety. And they asked him, why did you do that? He said, I don't know. I wasn't thinking anything, but just save the baby. He had compassion. He says, I have brothers, I have sisters. You saw it? No. Compassion right there. He said he didn't think about it until after he got the baby down, he, he started shaking. He goes, what was I doing? I'm risking my own life to save a baby that I don't even know. Now he was successful in that, but I know another story that I heard this week. Surprisingly enough, this man had a brother who had a wife and they had twins. And they went to a party and there was a pool there and the twins slipped into the pool, unknown to the parents. So the mother saw it and ran to the pool. She couldn't swim, so she was able to reach and grab the baby and pull him out. But the other one had gone too far, so she jumped in to save the baby, but guess what? She didn't know how to swim herself. So she died trying to save the baby, and the baby died as well. That's a tragedy. And so at the funeral, there's not much to say about that, is there? What can you say? And so the brother said, I'm praying, you know, for myself. And what made her do it? Love made her jump into the pool. She couldn't stand to see her baby die. So she jumped, not having any regard for herself. Shouldn't we jump into people's lives that are having difficulties and are are failing and are losing salvation and losing a, a life with Christ? And you have to just put yourself aside and not think about, are you socially uh, and politically correct, you know? Don't want to offend somebody and their beliefs? Don't want to step on anybody's toes? <laughs> no, you have to jump in and say, Jesus Christ is the answer. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. So we as Christians, we need to swim. I mean, we need to jump in, even though we don't know how to swim. You say, well, I, don't, I can't minister to anybody. I don't know how to preach. Oh, you have a testimony. You have a story to tell of how God changed your life. Maybe it will help someone else. Praise God. Now, why do you do this? Where does this compassion come from? For me, it came when I was listening to this lady minister uh, called Mary Kay Baxter. Have you ever heard of any, Anybody ever heard of her? Oh, yeah. yeah. Her testimony is she went to visit hell for 30 nights. I mean, I don't know if you want to believe it or not. It doesn't really matter. But the stories that she tells just are eerie about how people are in torment, in hell's fire, being burned and flesh coming off their bones and crying out, Lord, save me. Lord, I'll serve you now. Lord, how long must I suffer? I've been here for 10,000 years. How much longer must I stay here? not 10,000 years, uh, but 2,000 years, something like that, 40 years. Anything is too long, especially when you know you can't get out. Irreversible, never be able to change. That's what compels me to reach out and grab somebody and say, Do you know the Lord? Let me pray with you. I'll do it anywhere. I'll do it in restaurants and parking lots and business uh, establishments. It doesn't matter to me. I was out there praying with the lady in the parking lot. Cars coming by. I don't, we had our eyes closed. We didn't see nothing. We don't care. God was working, amen? That's the compassion that you have to have. Praise the Lord. So also, oh, okay. Let's go back to the first one, uh, the one before that. So there's the multitudes, what what do you see when you see that do you see people that are lost that are don't have a place to go don't have a direction in their life do they look scattered to you you have to have the eyes of Jesus and say that person needs to know the lord it doesn't it's not hard to find someone that needs the, the lord all just have to listen to them talk for a little bit and you can gauge and determine where they are in the lord praise the lord so When he saw the people who were scattered, this literally means to be cast down or thrown out, people who were wandering aimlessly through life with no direction and no planned destination, people who live with no shepherd for their souls. He saw a people who were utterly and hopelessly lost. So what did Jesus do? Let's see the slide. He stopped and he talked with them. He spent time with them. You know, when you go harvesting, it takes a little bit of effort, doesn't it? The, the the crops don't come up to your porch and say here we are. <laughs> We've been in the field. No, you got to go out and harvest them. Praise God. Sometimes, oh okay. So so we have to go to the down and out and the up and out. You know, the up and out, they think they have everything. They got the car, they got the house, they got the good job, they got money in the bank, but they don't have Jesus they don't realize they need Jesus. And I, I've seen and talked to rich people that are empty on the inside because they don't know the Lord. They, they, they get frustrated about every little thing. Oh, the party, we don't have parking for the party. and Somebody painted the, the room a different color. We, we, we needed it this color green. We don't need it blue. I mean, this tormented. Praise God. So the first problem is we have to see the plight The harvest. You have to see the plight that people are in. The second uh, P is the potential of the harvest. The harvest truly is plentiful. Well, you say, Pastor Chuck, people are just stuck in their ways. They're selfish. They're self-centered. They're they're self-righteous. Sometimes we think we've reached the peak. We can't reach anymore. We've done all that we can. People have their own churches. People have their own beliefs. We can't. Touch them or make a difference in their life. Well, I'm going to share another story with you that I heard this week. Boy, I heard a lot of stories this week. I hope you don't mind. But hopefully it will encourage you. you ever heard of Tommy Barnett? You know Tommy Barnett. He started the Dream Center in Los Angeles. And so he was telling this story about... When he was 30 years old, he had done evangelism. He's gone to other churches, and he brought in people, and they got saved, and he built their churches up. So at the age of 30, he said, I want to be a pastor. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He said, Lord, could you make me a pastor? I'm going to send out some letters to all the big churches that I've been at. Surely, they will recognize me as helping them and will put me on staff. So he sent a letter to all the big churches, and guess what happened? No response. People know how that goes. He said, okay, Lord, I'm going to send it all to the medium-sized churches. They surely need me to help them grow. And he sent it out, and guess what happened? No response. No response. So then he said, okay, Lord, I'll just go to the small churches. I'll start at the bottom. So he sent out this, his letter to the small churches, and no response. No <laughs> response. I mean, that's strike three, you're out, right? <laughs> so then he did the prayer that we all need to pray. Lord, you send me where you want me to go. I'll go where you send me. So within two weeks, he got a call from a little church in Davenport, Iowa. Well, there's, that's two problems right there. It's a small church, and it's in Davenport, Iowa. <laughs> Who in the world would ever go there? He said he went there. And there were 76 of the meanest Christians you ever want to meet. <laughs> he said, the church was so run down that the center light was like a, a, a wire hanging with a light bulb there. And he, that's what he preached. That's where he was. He said, okay, Lord, if you call me here, I'll, I'll preach here. So he preached one Sunday. Then he preached the second Sunday. And a lady came in. Uh, you know, kind of an undesirable lady, if you want to say it that way. And, and she got saved. And she was so happy. And the church was, it was almost like a revival. Oh, my God, we had somebody saved. It's been years since we've had anybody saved. So she went out and told her friends. They, she brought three or four in her car the next week. And they were like, man, we got revival going on here. She said, Pastor, I would bring more people if I had a bigger car. And so someone donated a bus to them. So she went out and collected people with her bus and brought 80 people to church. She doubled the church in one week. Some of them just wanted to get out of the cold. (laughs) Where are we going? Okay, we'll go to church. (laughs) And that's where... The Lord spoke to him and says, if you take care of the unwanted or people that that nobody wants, I'll send you people that everybody wants. So that church grew, grew, and God is my witness. You know how many buses he had after eight years? You know how many buses he had? 47 buses going out, reaching out to the community. And the church grew to 4,000 people from a small group of 76 mean Christians, surely us God-fearing, God-loving, <laughs> Holy Ghost-filled people can go out and reach others that need to know Christ. Amen? Now, that's not the end of the story. So, he's got a church of 4,000, and after eight years, the Lord told him, now, I want you to go preach in this church in Phoenix. And he said, well, you know, Lord, I got it kind of busy right here. And he kept bothering, kept leaning on him to go. And so he said, okay, he went to Phoenix. The church there only had 200 people. So he ministered, and so he felt like, okay, I did what you called me to do, Lord. I'm going back to my church. He said, oh, no, 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 I need you to stay here and pastor this church. He said, Lord, that doesn't make sense. I've labored over here. I've got the church to 4,000. Now you're sending me over to a church of 200? Isn't that logical? Wouldn't you tell the Lord, come on, Lord, what's what's up with that? And the Lord told him, I'll give you a hundredfold if you go to that church. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. So he went there and he looked, he, he got in the airplane. And the Lord showed him there's a Filipino congregation, a Filipino group. There's a Hispanic group. There's an Asian group. There's a, all these groups. I need you to bring them together. He said, well, how am I going to do that, Lord? He said, build a dream center. Where people can come and get ministered to. And do you know, that church is now 17,000 member congregation. And they, dream centers are over 230 uh, dream centers all around the world. What was God thinking? God was using somebody that had and knew the potential of the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. We need to go out and do that. Do, reach out to others. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord amen? You know, uh, you say, well, what what can I do, Pastor? What can I do? Well, we have a a couple here, uh, Jerry and Letitia. They saw the plight in Azusa, and so they decided to have a peace rally in one of the parks. So they gathered the best they could, the people that they knew, the ministers that they knew, and they had it October 20th. They had 100 people there. They had a band they had ministers come and preach. Six people got saved. A couple people they, they sent to homeless shelters. They made a difference. And what happened? People were falling off. They would say, we'll help you, Jerry and Letitia. And then they were nowhere to be found. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so what do they do, give up? No, they kept going and believed God. And things happened. Praise the Lord. You might say, well, you know, pastor, there's, there's such a social unrest right now, uh, political uneasiness. You know, I don't want to be speaking, you know, things to people. There's, people are so bound up and so, you know, has so many opinions. Well, I have a friend uh, named Mario Murillo. How many of you know Mario Murillo? Nobody, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> Am I that old that no, all my friends don't even know? That, I, I've, I've had this problem. All my friends are, are older. You know, I don't know what the problem is. I don't know why that's happened. <laughs> just seems that they're older than, than, than I'm used to. Praise God. Amen. So anyway, Mario Murillo, in the 60s, when there was a uh, political unrest, student unrest, they were rioting. Remember, they were rioting in the streets, rioting in the student councils. They were taking over. You remember those days? They were burning things. They were just doing crazy things. He got together with some people and they started going on to the campus of Berkeley. How many of you know that's not a very uh, welcoming college? My son went there. <laughs> they still have that, we don't want to hear anything about God attitude. You know, that's where Angela Davis came from and all the liberals and all that stuff. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But he didn't listen to that. He started ministering to people and giving them words of knowledge and praying for people. And he got over 2,000 youth to go out and make a difference and a change in their lives. They had a four-day crusade. It started to be a four-day crusade. It turned out to be six months, and 250,000 students gave their life to the Lord. What, What kind of world are we living in here? We're living in a world that has the potential to have a big harvest. So we can't say, Lord, you know, I don't know. I'm not good enough. You know, uh, it seems like I don't know what to say. I don't, it seems like everybody's saved. Everybody's set in their own ways. No. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. So let's look at, let's look at these uh, people here. Just next slide. Jesus in the city. Hallelujah. These people are excited, Right. Shh, don't mention Jesus, don't say Jesus, don't say Merry Christmas, don't say any of that stuff, right? No, get a big banner, hey, Jesusinthecity.com, hallelujah, glory to God, amen? Amen. So uh, the problem, let's go, let's let's see the next P, you got the two Ps, the plight, and what was this, potential, Potential. and now the problem, what's the problem? we're the problem. (laughs) The laborers are few. You know, we pray for a lot of things. Don't don't you pray for a lot of things? We we pray for our finances. We pray for our health. We pray for our kids. We pray for things to go right. But do we pray for the Lord of the harvest? Do we pray that He would use us to make a difference in people's lives? We're supposed to be praying and knowing that God is going to use us to do great and mighty things. The problem of the harvest is the laborers are few. Praise God. And why is that? Because people don't want to get out there. They don't want to get dirty. They don't want to make a difference. They don't want to make phone calls. They don't want to talk to people extended periods of time. They want to hear their problems. Amen? (laughs) You know, people out there, they got problems. They need to unravel them. So you have to go out there and do those kinds of things. And so, you know, the thing is... uh, Let's go to the next, next, let me see the next slide. Okay, these are the guys. I don't know if these guys just got saved or need to get saved. I, I can't figure, <laughs> we don't know. Uh, I, I, originally, I, I was looking at the guy on the left like he don't know what to do, right? He's a laborer. He's supposed to go out, but look at his two friends. They need to be saved. The people around you in your neighborhood, wherever you're at, they need to be saved. How big is your world? I can't go into all the world and preach the gospel. But how big is your world? Your world is your street. The world, the world is where you work. The word, world is your family. Wherever people are, and he's got people right behind him that he needs to minister to. Praise the Lord. And so the last slide, we're going to talk about the last P. Oh, it says, go into all, I'm sorry, you're right. Go, into, go before that. Go ye into all the world. What does "go ye" mean? Go, go, baby, go. Move. And if you look at the translation of that, do I have the next translation? It means go one's way as you're going, as you're pursuing your journey on which one has entered to continue on. In other words, you don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go, you know, to Australia. You you can go wherever you're wherever you're going. Go ye and bring the gospel to the peoples. Praise God. Where your your neighbor is. Hallelujah. Okay, the last slide. The last P is prayer. We have the plight. We have the potential. We have the problem. We're the problem, right? And prayer. And people always pray, Oh, Lord, send laborers across their path. And guess what? If you do that, sometimes the Lord will cause you to be the laborer. David Wilkerson, who uh, I think you remember him from uh, uh, Nicky Cruz, yes, He, uh, he, he started a church in New York, but for a year he was crying out to the Lord, we need a church here in downtown New York. Lord, would you send somebody to be the pastor here? For over a year and finally the Lord said, excuse me, David, uh, the pastor is you. <laughs> and he started a church in New- downtown New York with all the gangs, and that's where he met Nikki Cruz. And the very famous line, I love this line, Nicky Cruz was a gang member, leader, and he used to cut people up with his knife. you know. And so they got in a dark alley one time, Nikki had him cornered, and he says, I'm tired of you preaching to me about Jesus. I'm tired of hearing that, I don't want to hear that anymore. He said, I'm going to cut you up into a thousand little pieces. What would you do? <laughs> do you remember that? remember that movie where Sal Mineo took a towel and put it around his hand, and the guy was ready to cut him up, and he just blocked it? Anybody remember that movie? No. <laughs> what kind of crowd do we got here? Well, that, that was definitely a movie because I, w- I was in Pomona one time, and I was on a, 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 what do they call it, a jury. And they had this guy that was attacked at the Pomona Fair. And he did the same thing. They had some guys that was set with some knives, and so he wrapped a, a shirt around his hand, and he was going to block it. <laughs> Not even close. So that movie, scratch it. But Nikki said, so David Wilkerson said to Nikki Cruz, if you cut me up, in a thousand pieces, every piece is going to say, "I love you, Nikki." And he just dropped his knife and said, "Okay, I want what you want. I want to accept the Lord." And you know the funniest thing is, so they had a a, a, a revival a, a conference that night, and he put Nikki in charge of uh, collecting the money. <laughs> is that crazy or what? And he's counting the money, and he's going, is this man crazy? <laughs> I, I usually steal this kind of money. But the conviction of the Lord came upon him, and he knew he was a new person in Christ. So sometimes you pray for things, and God really wants to use you. Praise God. Now, the story, my last story, you all know Jan Crouch, all right? Paul and Jan Crouch. Anyway, she had big depression for, many, for over a year. She couldn't get out of it, didn't know what to do. And, you know, they knew all the big name preachers, and they would come and pray, and nothing would happen. She said, I was so bound, so locked up, so, you know, you know uh, captured in my own self. I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even move. I couldn't even get out of bed. I was stuck. I, I, I didn't know what to do. And then finally the Lord said to her, get up and go to church. She said, I don't think I can, Lord. I don't think I can go to church. He said, get up, use all your strength to get up and go to church. So she got up, she went to church, she sat in the back, she heard the preacher, she didn't hear a word he said. And so they had an altar call when people would go up to uh, receive the Lord, and she said she saw one lady that came from the side and went up to the front, and nobody paid attention to her. She was all by herself. And she said, Lord, do you want me to go minister to her? She says, I need ministering myself. He said, yes, go minister to her. So he got up, she got up, and went and ministered to her and told her how much God loved her and how much God had a plan for her and that he was going to restore her and give her all the things that she needed in her life. And she said, that's just what I needed to hear. Thank you so much. And things broke in her life, in Jan's life. All of a sudden now that depression went away. I like one story where the, the lady came to the pastor and said, pastor, I have depression. I, I don't know how to get out of it. He said, go make some cookies and give them away. She said, "What? Go make some cookies and give them away." <laughs> and she walked away in disgust. And then a couple of weeks later, she did what he told her to do and she made some cookies. She gave them away. She it broke out of her. Amen. So we can see the multitudes with Jesus' eyes. Through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus didn't see a bu- just a bunch of people scattered He saw people that had hurt, they were weary, they were scattered. He wanted us to reach out to them, see the potential that they have on the inside of them. You know, there's people that are down and out, and that if you reach out to them, you can raise them up to make them better and bigger than they even thought they could be their own selves. And so we have to see that. We have to know the power that we have, and we have to pray. If you pray, the Lord will give you compassion for these people every soul that you pray for that you minister every person is a child of the god or a, a, one of god's creations that he wants to bring into the family of god and he wants to use you your hands your mouth your words yes your words praise god you don't have the words yeah you do it'll come out watch it jesus said when you go to the temple don't worry about what you're going to say the holy spirit will give you the words It'll just, you have enough. We can't be inactive. We can't be just stoic and, and st- stayed in our ways. We have to reach out with what we know. We know more. We, we're overeducated, <laughs> we're overministered to. We need to let some of it out, praise God. And so, if that be you, let's bow our heads and pray that the Lord would use you to do great things. So, Father, I just thank you. If, you're, if that's you and you say, I, I need the Lord to use me, just raise your hands right now. And we want to pray especially for you that God would use you to do great things. So Father, I just thank you for those who hands are raised that you would put it in their hearts. You would give them compassion to reach out to those that need to know you. And that Father God, you will give us the words to speak. you give us the heart and the, the, uh, the space to be able to find a person that would be able to hear what you have to say through us. So, Father, we thank you that you're going to empower us by your spirit, by your grace, to do those great things that we need to do so that you may be happy and fulfilled. To the glory of God. Pray. Amen.